Hello, and welcome to the Earthed Podcast. This podcast is all about holistic health and well-being. We will be talking all things mind, body, and spirit, along with anything in between that feels aligned to the improvement of ourselves or our environment. I am your host, Emily Shine, kinesiologist, spiritual development mentor, and intuitive. This podcast is meant to educate, inspire, and empower you to live your life to the fullest. I am so excited to have you here. Now let's get to today's show. Hello and welcome to the Earth Podcast. Today's special guest is Kyle Reber. He is truly an extraordinary human being making a world of difference in his community through martial arts. This is a topic that's a little bit different from the others that we have explored in previous podcasts, but it is one that I'm truly passionate about. The Earth Podcast is a place to explore a range of topics, all relevant to the empowerment of ourselves and our environment. And as Kyle mentions towards the end of today's episode, Joe Rogan explains martial arts as a vehicle to self-improvement. I truly believe this, and I have experienced the benefits of this myself. I've also witnessed the benefits of this with my son and my partner. Throughout today's episode, we are going to touch on some pretty important ways that martial arts can be leveraged to fight against things like domestic violence and sexual abuse, as well as the benefits of martial arts for children and what it can do for their self-esteem and their self-regulation. Kyle has been studying martial arts for 30 years and has even traveled to places like the Dominican Republic to conduct empowerment exercises for disadvantaged communities. Kyle, like many others, has also had to close his gym recently due to COVID-19, so we got the chance to explore how that was affecting him personally and ways that he was coping with the sudden changes. Today's episode has something for everyone, so even if you have no interest in martial arts, I'm sure that you will take something away from this incredible conversation. Thank you for tuning in, and let's get to today's show. Hello, Kyle Reba, and welcome to the Earth Podcast. We're so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Emily. It's a pleasure. You're welcome. All right. So my, my first question for you today, Kyle, is the same question that I ask everybody every time, and that is what lights you up? Hmm. What lights me up? Um, I guess what lights me up is people seeing, pe- uh, seeing people see what they are truly capable of doing. Um, I have encountered a lot of people over the years, um, professionally and personally, that um, I think all they need to be given is a platform and something to basically give them a reason to find out what they can truly do. Um, So, yeah, that lights me up. brings a tear to my eye to see um, men and women and children just go from being this person when you first meet them, you know, a lot of background insecurity, low self-esteem, whatever like that, see them go through to be, you know, teachers, leaders in the community, police officers in the defence force and just better people. So, yeah, that lights me up. That's amazing. I can totally relate to that. Being able to help people to discover their potential, it's just probably the most amazing gift Mm. um, that anyone could ever, you know, give someone or help someone to discover for themselves. Totally agree. 
So um, what got you into what you're doing today? So you're into martial arts. What got you into that? What got you started there? Um, okay. So we'll go back many moons. Um, so I, um, oh, oh, I'm working on, I'm working on back then. I, um, I started martial arts officially when I was 15. Um, I grew up in a country town called Maribor in southeastern Queensland. Um, it's a pretty small town. Um, a lot of my family are cattle farmers and dairy farmers, so I was I was the city slicker living in a town of twenty thousand people. So I um I never had any. It's interesting because I hear a lot of stories these days. Kids starting martial arts because they were bullied or have a lot of problems and that sort of thing. So it gets them in, which we capitalize on I never really had that um I played I didn't like team sports as a kid um so my brother you know he played football at quite a high level um but I just liked sports where I relied on myself um so I did BMX racing when I was younger um and was pretty good at that one one more one more races than I lost um skateboards that sort of thing um and I just loved watching martial arts movies. Um, Karate Kid is still my age-old favourite. Um, and I just wanted to learn. I just wanted to learn self-defence. Um, I won't be too violent, but, yeah, I, I wanted to... I, I, was, I took joy in, you know, I wanted to learn how to fight because fighting to me wasn't necessarily the violence of it. I just would see these movies of, you know, Daniel LaRusso and Karate Kid being able to beat the bad guy and overpower the odds. And I went, I wonder if I can do that. So um, I had no knowledge of martial arts um, as to what was better than the other. And being a country town, there was very limited options. So my mum um, had been pushing me for a couple of years even to start to get into it. And there was just a Taekwondo club that was down the road. We could walk there. So I walked to there, started. And yeah, it's just evolved from there. I um, I got my black belt in Taekwondo when I was seventeen, um, and then when I moved to Brisbane to university, I um, linked up with a. Uh, well, he's actually a Maribor boy as well, but um, he's five years older than me, and he started. He's my instructor now in a martial art called Zendo Kai, um, in Bob Jones Martial Arts. Um, he was actually a good mate. His dad and my dad were really good mates. They raced speedway together. And um, I linked up with him, started learning under him, and 26 years this year later, this, you know, now he is, um, he is still he is still my instructor. Wow. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a hard. It's hard to put into, like, a couple of sentences. But, yeah, it's just evolution. And I think the thing is, you know, it's like everything, like your job or what you do, you, you get to a point where you get quite proficient at it, so you have to find a reason, like, why do I want to keep doing it now? So, I mean, without sounding overconfident, like, I know I can fight now, so I've achieved that. So now my what I love doing is I love coaching. Um, and I think to do that, I still try to keep my skills up because I think it's it's important to, um, to set an example. So, yeah. yeah. 
I totally relate with that. Um, and I think that so many people feel that same way. And, and it's definitely something I'm starting to shift into is that teaching um, area with what I do, because once you've been doing something for such a long time, you do, the bar starts to get further away. It's like, well, what else is going to inspire me? What's going to, you know, keep my sense of purpose really nice and alive. And it's particularly important for men I believe, to have a sense of purpose, whereas because when we look at the masculine and feminine, and this is going a little bit into the spiritual side of the mm. psyche, but when we look at the masculine and the feminine brain, and sometimes you might have women who are stronger in their masculine brain or men that are stronger in their feminine brain, but just for the yeah. argument's sake for this demonstration, we'll just put men and women, masculine, feminine. The masculine, well, the feminine brain comes into the world with the need to love, spread love. So they do that through their friends, their families, their children or their, their partnerships, and that becomes a paramount to them. Um, and it also relates back into how they can spread creativity. So when you look at typical little girls, they tend to play differently to the way that little boys play. So they play um, by doing dress-ups or, or creating, painting, um, make-believe um make-believe stories and things like that they, they thrive on that because they're creating creating is ever expanding there's no beginning there's no end it just goes forever mm, just like love mm. does but the masculine brain it's it comes into this world with a need to win with a with a very clear um desire for a beginning and an ending point so they they need a sense of purpose something that they can achieve before they die in order to keep them on that linear approach uh, yeah i totally agree and i think on that, there is a society probably, especially in the last 15 years, it's been very, um, mostly, very accommodating for whether male or female to be who they feel to need, they need to be. Um, like my, my youngest daughter in particular, she loves having a wrestle more than she loves having a cuddle. Um, yeah. And I think we live we live in a society now where, you know, like we were just talking prior to this starting about women doing martial arts. I think if there is one gender that should be doing martial arts, it's women. I couldn't um, agree more. It's empowering. I mean, it's... So empowering. You know, and, and you have people like um, Rhonda Rousey, who was one of the pioneers of UFC. You know, she started that catchphrase, fight like a girl. Um, we have men who are now not anywhere near afraid as they were 30 years ago to walk up to their parents or walk up to their friends and say, I'm gay. Yeah. And they're totally comfortable with that. Yeah. And, you know, I I know guys that I do martial arts with. I know guys that I've worked with in my um, previous vocation. And they, um, you know, they're some of the toughest guys I've ever met. And they have a lot of emotional stuff. They are homosexual and they have my respect as much as everyone else. To be honest, I probably consider them tougher than the guy who isn't comfortable showing their feelings and just saying, you know what, I'm not having a good day today. Vulnerability is one of the most bravest things that you can do and show to another person. Quite, I, Brene Brown, I don't know if you've ever heard of her. She's you know, amazing. I was just about to mention. It's great. Stuff. Amazing. And, and, and I just, one of the things that she brought to attention was, you know, if somebody was standing on a stage and they were bearing their heart and they were crying their way through their story, you wouldn't look up at them and go, you know, what a wimp. You'd look up at them and go, how brave are they? Because they're expressing vulnerability. But there was a time and there was a generation that would have said that, you know. And now you, you look back to, you know, maybe your grandparents or that generation, they'd be like, you know, don't be such a girl. 
they'd say to the boys. You yeah. know, I remember when I first learnt martial arts and we were kicking. They'd say, don't kick, girls kick. Yet I go to Thailand now to train. There are guys over there that could break you apart with kicks. No one's saying to them, you kick like a girl. It's, it's, it's changed. And I yeah. think the thing I was going to say about vulnerability, um, I don't know if you've seen that thing that Brene Brown has where she um, spoke to some special forces soldiers and she was working on their definition of courage. And, you know, every, you know, there's um, in Australia, the Victoria Cross, for example, is the highest, you know, medal of honour you can get in the Australian military. She um, was talking to them about, you know, to do courage, to be display courage, you need to display bravery, to display bravery, you need to show vulnerability. Can you think of any times that there's been courage displayed, you know, in your work that hasn't involved a person being vulnerable? And they said, we can't think of anything. You know, in order to be brave, in order to show courage, at some point you have to be vulnerable. Yeah, I have it. seen Amazing. Yeah. We have it heaps in martial arts, you know, and, and unfortunately there are those people who are unwilling to put themselves and make themselves vulnerable. Like I am, um, you know, I've, I've done karate for a long time and now I did Muay Thai. I started Muay Thai, Thai boxing a couple of years after I started karate and I'm doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I've been doing that for nearly 20 years um, and now I dabble in a Russian martial art called Sistema. Um, but, you know, the, the instructor is Serbian that I learn under and, you know, he's the one that teaches the Croatian special police how to wow. work with people. So, yeah. Um, but each one of those times it, there is a phrase that one of our top instructors in, um, in our system called Richard Norton says, he says you need to empty your cup and drink someone else's tea. So he uses that phrase of putting the white belt back on. And, you know, in order to learn, you've got to keep stripping back. And that's been really important to me. And even, even now, you know, while we're in our sort of self-imposed isolation so far, yeah, um, yeah still learning, still watching things, you know, I, I think you've, you know, it's evolution. Yeah, it's a great analogy for life in general, isn't it? Not just yeah. from a martial arts perspective, but from, you know, a life perspective, that ability to peel it back. You peel back your own opinions, your own knowledge, and just learn from a different perspective, just see things from a different light in order to expand your own awareness. Totally, totally. <laughs> so... Um, just, just going back on the women doing martial arts, I started jujitsu probably about six or seven months ago, and I'm really, really enjoying it as, as a woman, I find it so empowering to be able to have the ability that if I'm attacked or if I'm held down, I can throw, you know, 120 kilos of man off me and, and get away. Um, but I know that when I first started or when I first went to my, um, before actually, before I went to my first jiu-jitsu class, I had a lot of feelings of this isn't really a space for women, um, this isn't really something you can start at 30, like it's something you should be starting younger if you're going to be a girl in martial arts. So those are all sort of negative belief patterns that I had prior to, which mm. I don't any longer have at all. But what would you say to women who are listening who are apprehensive about their ability, their athletic ability, or um, just even their acceptance within the martial arts um, world if they're wanting to start something like that? Stop. Stop finding an excuse and go. Um, <laughs> but, I'll, but I'll elaborate more on that. Um, I... So I, um, you know, I have a wife and I have two daughters 
and they all do martial arts. Um, and they're all, you know, highly ranked in what they do. And it's never been a thing that I've pushed, but I've always said to anyone, especially the girls, I have more respect for females doing martial arts than I say to men. And I've always used the phrase, and again, I think I can kind of say this and not be judged because I have two daughters that are training. Women in martial arts, you will always be a woman in a man's world. There is still that perception that martial arts is for men. You go back 40 years, and I've done a lot of, you know, research on history of martial arts and all that sort of thing. There was, there was times where women just weren't allowed to do martial arts. But yeah. then you go right back, like you go right back to um, Norse culture, so the Vikings, you have a look at the shield maidens. The shield maidens were more vicious than the male warriors. So the men would go to battle and the shield maidens would either go to fight, but they would also stay home and they would be the ones that were tasked with protecting the village because, you know, they would know when each one was travelling. So other, other villages would go, oh, we'll attack them. And the shield maidens were left to it, you know, left to defend. So women have been doing martial arts since the dawn of time. You know, they've had to fight and all the rest of it. The problem, I think, is again the perception. Now, I can I can tell you there are there are women that do martial arts that are fierce, and yet you see them external to martial arts, and you try and put the two of them together and go, but that girl is, you know look at what she's doing, look at what she's wearing, oh, my God, she's beautiful, yet you put her, you know, she's got sweat coming off her, she's got gloves on or a gay choking the hell out of boys and all the rest of it, and you just go, that's that's the difference. And that's, I think, it's getting back to that vulnerability. My first probably biggest piece of advice, you need to find a club that supports you. Um, and, like, I know, like, you guys are with Jugs. Yeah, um, he's a great bloke. Um, he is. He's he a is, wonderful coach. I've, I've known I've known Jug since he was a blue belt. I think. Wow. Um, so you you get that you need a culture and a club that will support you and do what you want to do. And like I said to you before, a club that will let you see what you are truly capable of doing. So I I you know, I have dare I say it, the majority of my success stories that you really look back on with note, and this is no offence to the boys, it's the girls. There's probably been about half a dozen girls that I've trained over the course of, you know, 24 years this year. Um, and, yeah, they are all like daughters to me. And they are, some of them are just what they, it's not just what they're achieving in their martial arts, it's what they're achieving in their day-to-day -day life. It gives you an opportunity to see I can do this. I'm capable of doing this. I've got, I've got one that you know, wouldn't, you know, would hardly speak when she came in. She was so timid. Now she's in a, you know, she's in a prominent business position. She fought and trained in Thailand with us. She did all this stuff. I've got another one who's a police officer working in regional communities. Um, I've got, you know, another one who is just so empowering. She's now living overseas. You know. Um, I've got a I've got a girl who I you know am so proud of as well. I trained her when she was a child, um, and now she plays for the Australian Women's Rugby Sevens team. Wow, that's so awesome! There's just a lot there, um, and it's that connection. But 
I think it's um, there's no hiding. It's tough training training as a female because you know the guys sometimes don't know how strong they really are, and I do sometimes teeter between like I believe girls should train with men um, because ultimately that's the demographic that is more likely to attack them. Yeah. Um, so I believe that. I go, and that's no disrespect to people that run female-only classes. I think that's a good idea to get people and get women into the, okay, I can do this, I'm, I'm all right, but then when there's an opportunity to, to jump out and train with the men. Um, but, yeah, it is tough, jiu-jitsu in particular. You know, long hair and jiu-jitsu do not fix <laughs> That you know, doesn't just apply to the woman, though. We know this. No, we know no, this oh, from my, my oh, beautiful man. Oh, we, we know this. I mean, that guy spends more time adjusting his hair in a roll than anything else. <laughs> he's he not finished, cutting it off, though. He's not allowed. Uh, he finishes around with me. It looks like he's been through a washing machine. <laughs> um, he's got better hair than I do. <laughs> oh, I don't need for braving. Um, I um, There's just those those little variables and like that may seem to some people so trivial but you know it's something like you know I've, I've seen I've seen girls start jiu-jitsu with long hair and you know six months in no long hair anymore to the point yeah. where they go nah it wasn't working I like jiu-jitsu more than my hair and go, oh, it's gone you know so I, I like that but I also I think it's just so empowering and again going back to training with a club that suits you and you know supports you there's girls in my club that will tap out the boys and there is that culture where some of them will just go what what just happened yeah you know, you know i just i just potentially got put to sleep by a girl you know, <laughs> and, and again things like jiu-jitsu you know like unfortunately you know and the tie boxing or any martial arts we live in a society that unfortunately is I don't know, I'm trying to work on a politically correct phrase, but we live in a society that I guess domestic violence has become almost something resembling normality. Yeah. You know, rape, all the rest of it. Um, that sort of thing is going to happen more and more. It's not going away, especially in the times we're living in. Um, I train a lot of um, police and speaking to them some of their, their call-outs for domestic violence at the moment has tripled. Wow. Um, so that's that's something that I think is prevalent. And, again, it's just empowering. Like you would, you would notice, like, you know, you could now, even the amount of time you've been doing jiu-jitsu, you can walk in to a room with men and go, I'm comfortable here. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I could choke any one of you mofos out if you give me any shit. You know, so it's just it's just that, you know, so I, my, my biggest advice, find a club that suits you, um, find a club that supports you, find a club that is teaching you what you need to know because there are a lot of charlatans out there. Yeah. Um, and just persevere because it's, it's going to be tough. I reckon in the last six or seven months, how many times have you gone and come home and gone, all right, I suck at this, I'm stopping. <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Just ask me. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, no, no, it is. It is hard. Um, it's it's hard for me. The hardest part of jujitsu is the uh, coordination. So you have really? to you have to learn a sequence of movements and then remember watching that, retain that, remember that, and then try to put it into action. So that's the most difficult part of jujitsu for me, which I've never been amazing at um, the coordination of things. Anyway, I'm dyslexic, so anything that has a sequence really throws me. But the environment that um, I've been placed in from a jiu-jitsu perspective, and actually this wasn't the first gym I ever did jiu-jitsu in. I did jiu-jitsu in a gym that was actually like offering it as a class as well. But both environments have been so welcoming and so friendly that you're never afraid of looking like an idiot because everybody just accepts fully knows exactly where you're at has been there themselves or is there themselves so you feel really held in that space and um I totally relate to what you were saying about you know the perception of the person and and who they are and what they do and then seeing them in a gi because this this rolls out for me all the time I my my whole you know um mo in life is gentle and nurturing and healing and then I get a gi on and I choke people and it's so parallel to the person that I am but it's so needed because when you are in, in a position where you're constantly being in the gentle space absorbing other people's things it gives you an outlet to be able to just kind of go into your primitive space and and release all of that that pent-up energy i love boxing as well for that reason mm. so just like hit the shit out of the bag for 20 minutes and it's great well i mean jiu-jitsu jiu-jitsu translated from japanese is the gentle art you know oh. so um i think i think you're dead on track and i you know i um I have probably jujitsu in particular. Um, for me personally, it is it is therapeutic, um, and it's not like you know. I don't. Con- I've never considered myself a violent person, and I think that's a misconception too. I think you know, oh, you do martial arts, so you're a badass. Not necessarily. Like I've trained people in every single walk of life that have done martial arts and done it well. Um, but I think, and especially in this day and age, martial arts in general for people is become a real good mental health release. You know, yes, like absolutely. You know, like you you have a role, as we put it, um, or you know, like you smash the, smash the crap out of some pads, or you, you know, it's it's become like you know, okay, I feel better now. I can I can officially do the world. Like we have a we have a uh, morning class um, at the office, as we call out. Call CMA my my gym, um, and we call them. Uh, so they train twice a week, five thirty in the morning, um, and we call them the DCs. They're the dorm crew, and we will get up to 10, 10 guys and girls, um, and then they'll go and have a coffee, and they they do feel that they can attack the day after that. So again, in the current space of things, that's jujitsu is probably the hardest thing because of the um, because of the contact that jiu-jitsu has, we basically have to have said there is just no possibility of us doing anything in the foreseeable future with jiu-jitsu. For some of the guys, they're really taking that hard because that, yeah. that was their space. That was My their partner effort. included. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really hard. So, Tough. you know, it's, um, I think that's what people, you know, again, it's the, it's the whole don't knock it till you try it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? 
I totally agree. Um, just on that, I guess, that mental health perspective, um, one of the things that uh, drew me into jiu-jitsu before I even started jiu-jitsu was the fact that my son has ADHD and sensory um, processing disorders. And so I heard that um, it was really, really good for kids like that and helping yep. through their mental challenges. And, I, you know, I know that you do a lot of work with troubled youth as well and helping to use martial arts as a way for them to kind of get themselves into a better mindset. So I'd love you to elaborate on how it can help kids and, 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 and specifically kids with um, specific difficulties to kind of find a place of regulation. Yep. Um, I think that's, that's really been a thing probably in the last two and a half years that I've really worked on. Um, I think one thing, um, one saying I use a lot is, uh, Martial arts is so much more than punching and kicking. Yeah. And I, and I think for the kids in particular, that is something that they really need. Um, kids need. Kids need a community. I mean, there is that saying, and I'm sure you've heard of it, it takes a village to raise a child. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's true. Like, our kids work on a community. Like, my kids, you know, since we've been home more than out, they've been FaceTiming um, other kids at the club um, and you know I'm even the same like I trained in martial arts since I was a teenager um, I won't elaborate too much but I uh, I did a lot of things in my youth that I should not have done and my mum celebrated my 18th birthday more so that she didn't think I'd actually make it that far as opposed to me turning 18 but um, I think um, I think for kids it's you know like I I have all my all my mates do martial arts. Um, you know, I have some a few mates that, that don't, or but at the, the ones that don't, they've done martial arts at some point. I think it's finding it for the kids in particular. It's them finding a community where they're accepted. Um, and you would say, like with your son, it's not that he gets judged in certain circles, but it's. It's the community that you have in a martial arts club, I have found, accepts people no matter what they are. So where we are in Brisbane, um, we are sort of, I guess, in the middle of two very interesting demographics. So you go five minutes or in the area we're in, it's probably one of the more affluent areas of Brisbane. Um, you go five minutes towards the city, you've got houses worth a couple of million dollars. You go 10 minutes the other way, you've got probably one of the lowest socioeconomic suburbs in Brisbane. They come to the office, they're equal. No one gives a shit. No one, no one cares. No one cares how much money your parents make, what school you go to or anything like that. It's irrelevant. I think that's very important for kids to understand that they might be different, but they're all the same. Yeah. And that's the thing. Having said that, like we have a lot of kids, especially, you know, in the last probably five or six years coming to us with learning difficulties, depression, anxiety. Like I'm, I'm working with kids as young as 11 and 12 years old that are having severe depression and anxiety at that age. The main thing I am seeing from these kids is that they don't feel, A, anybody accepts them, and B, they don't feel anybody understands them. And I think that's the big thing we need to do with kids and this is in any sport 
you know, like there will be those kids that will do it differently. Like you just said with your dyslexia, sometimes you have trouble, it, it, you know, it's like you're getting taught Twister in another language. Yeah. You know? So, but then it's like anything, you find a, you find a way that you can work with that. Um, and I've got, you know, adults as well that I train with learning difficulties. So I'll say something to one adult, they get it. I say it to this person for learning difficulty. I might as well be talking, you know, in Hebrew. They just don't understand what I'm talking about. So, but I go, okay, what about try it this way? And you find that. So I think with kids, and again, it comes back to, like I said, you find a coach that understands and you will find that most coaches who understand, they either were that kid or they, I guess, are just a generally kind person they understand you're not going to get it right all the time I wasn't always like that I I am I probably was really really hard in my younger years like you talk to any of the students that I trained 20 years ago I probably you know went too hard on them and there was a portion for some reason I have no idea why they stuck around Um, (laughs) but I think for kids with learning difficulties that's the main thing it's, it's them finding, and this isn't just for martial arts, this is anything, it's finding somewhere that they're accepted, yeah. that isn't, isn't judging them, you know, and I was, I was that kid. Like I, I, wasn't, I wasn't like every other kid at school, you know, like um, I had stuff going on with, you know, like my family, my father died when I was really young, so all these kids would go out with their, with their mum and their dad and it was just my mother and I. I had, you know, different stuff going on I and that again drew me into other things that I probably shouldn't have done but again I think there was a few good role, role male role models that I had that um brought me back to earth a bit but I think the the thing we need to do and this is what I always say to the kids that I work with I don't know how you feel so I could say to your son you know I know how you feel I don't know how you feel because A, I'm not you, I'm not your age, and I don't have the stuff going on in your head that you have. So the thing I always say to the kids, I understand how you feel. Mm -hmm. I understand what that must be like. And the second a child feels they're accepted, they open up, it's like you. You walk into your jiu-jitsu club and all the boys just stare you up and down, eyeball you. They don't look at you. They don't talk to you and they walk away. How long are you going to stay there for? Yeah. You walk in, they go, g'day, how you going? And they're not doing that because someone's made them. They're just doing that because they're nice people. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Um, and I think that's very important. So I, um, you know, there's a there's a particular kid I work with. He's, he's 15. Um, and his father died suddenly like mine when he was 13. And we relate on a lot of things, but we don't because 13-year-old development is a lot different to 10-year-old development. So I can say I understand what that must be like, but you're feeling something different to how I was feeling because by the time I was 15, my father had been already dead for five years. So I was, it had almost become a normality, whereas you're still waking up every morning and kind of half expecting to just see it happen now. You could say the same thing with COVID now. How many how many mornings have you woken up going, oh, yeah, no, that is true. Shit, it's not a dream. Yeah. You know? So it's 
Yeah, I totally agree. I've noticed, um, so having a, a child with ADHD, yeah, 100%. He has friends. He's a very sociable kid, but he goes to places like school and he feels misunderstood because he can't learn or integrate the way that, you know, the curriculum is asking him to do. Um, and so that's caused him like many, many, many years of feeling like an outcast. He'll often say things like, I'm the naughty kid, I'm this, I'm that. And jiu-jitsu has really been a space for him, as you said, to be able to come in and 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 be himself. And there's a part of him that gets really rowdy and, and he has a space in his jiu-jitsu class to be able to do that, to be rowdy. But he also has a space to have a calm, um, regulated out, um, what am I, outlet. So a lot of people, when I'm trying to convince them to take their rowdy boys to jiu-jitsu or to martial arts, I'm like, you should get them into martial arts. It's amazing. I always get the same thing back. Oh, I wouldn't trust my kid knowing how to do things like that. They'll use it outside. And yeah. I get that because when Byron first started using uh, learning, he was wanting to show people what he could do and he wasn't regulating that at the very beginning. But after a while, it actually gives him an outlet to to, to put that energy that is inside of him, that is inside of every child, every human being, um, to get it out in a way that's regulated, that's, that's safe for him to do so. And regardless of whether you give them to the tools or a space to make that okay, they're going to start taking that out on something somewhere. So put them in a space where it's okay and you'll find that they calm down in other areas as well. And then the discipline that comes mm. behind it and the not, you know, um, Jugs will say to Byron if, you know, if I find out that you're using jujitsu outside of the gym, then you're not allowed to use, you're not allowed to come in here and, yeah. and do jujitsu. And so that scared him enough to go, well, I'm never going to do that. I don't want to disappoint my instructor. I have a great rapport with my instructor, my instructor and I have a good relationship and I don't want to miss out on jujitsu because that's my favorite thing to do. So they do learn eventually the respect and the understanding. They might not get it the first or second session, but they'll get it. And so it's worthy of persevering through that. And I totally agree. And I think there is, um, and and again, it's no disrespect to other sports. I can only use this one because I've spent so much time in it. Martial arts does offer a community that sometimes other sports don't. Like I have, I have kids, and I say kids because that's what they were when they were started. That you know, I have one kid. He was fourteen when he started with me. I think he's thirty-five this year. Wow. <laughs> You have kids that just, you know, and again, you're always connected. Like I have, I have guys, you know, my old boys, as I call them. Um, some of them haven't set foot on a mat for God knows how long, but they're still around, you know. Especially through all this, you know, with the stuff the the club's struggling through at the moment, they're putting their hand up. I'll do this. I'll do that. And again, like you said there is that acceptance you know and we're the same like jugs as i said he's his finger on the pulse it's a good choice you're with him um we don't do like things like push-ups or all the rest of it if you're here and it's same if you're bullying if we find out that you're bullying and i say to him like and <laughs> i use the little scare tactics i know the police i can i can find out you know <laughs> and again we're, we're very connected in the community like i've been teaching in this community since 96. So I can say to them, you know, if, if we find out you're bullying, that's it. It's it. You have a term off. You know, you're not allowed to come because it's the same thing. Like you're taking away what they love to do. You know, some kids will go, oh, 50 push-ups, yep, I can wear that, you know, that's fair enough. But you take away something that they love. And like you said, with, you know, with your son, 
he um Byron is it? Yes. Yeah. And so Byron, you know, it's the same when when you were a kid and you got a new toy. What did you want to do with it? You wanted to show it to everyone. Check this out. Check this out. And that's like that's what he's doing with his jujitsu. But then you know the kids x amount of you know sessions later and they accompanied and they learned the rules and that's another big thing for the kids um they learn a structure no that's not okay no you can't do that um there are clubs out there that are focused maybe more on the physical aspect we focus on the mental aspect as well you know like you can't speak you know we we make the kids come in every class they have to say hello the jiu-jitsu kids in particular they have to walk in, they have to shake the coach's hands. You know, hello, how are you today? You know, you're teaching them people skills. You're teaching them how to approach people because that's what my coach taught me, you know, and then that led to me, you know, working and working at some of the biggest nightclubs in Brisbane in the 90s and running and working at some of the biggest concerts and festivals, you know, in Australia. I think we're teaching them how to deal with people, like I said, about that girl who's, now a copper in you know regional Queensland, the, the you know she may actually have to use her skills I don't know once every ten incidents, but she has to use those approach skills and those confidence skills every incident. Yeah, and that's the thing. And you know there was this real famous martial artist. What was his name? Oh yeah, Bruce Lee, that guy. Um, he said the best way to win a fight is not be there in the first place. Yeah, I love that. So we're teaching the kids how not to fight, but if they have to fight, they can fight. Unfortunately, there are kids that are learning things the opposite way. So that would be my big thing. Like you're teaching kids, you know, and there are those parents if I, like you said, and we've had it before, um, we had an incident recently where a parent was very conscious of her son learning because she goes, he's just going to walk out and belt people. And I go, he can do that, but then he can't come back. And I'm I'm more than happy to not have you know it's not about the financial it's it's the principle of the matter. But then we have kids who you know now are able to stand up and we teach the kids things like body language and how to stand properly. This is how you approach it. This is what you do. From all my years of working in crowd control, that the kids now understand that you know they can fight if they want to go they can go, but that's the last resort. They have their little um use of force continuum that they can use. Yeah, one of the things I noticed with Byron is is the way that it's teaching him to be humble to others because he might be the bigger, stronger, faster one of the two kids rolling, but he is taught to use restraint in certain situations where that child is smaller, which which might sound like a no-brainer for a lot of kids and a lot of um, situations, but not for not for kids like mine, not not for not for boisterous ADHD riddled children who are just a million miles an hour. It, it makes them stop and think and go, hang on a minute, this person's smaller than me. You know, at first when he was he was um, placed with a with, let's say with some of the the younger or the or the littler girls in particular. Yeah. I would always put my head in my hands and go, oh, no, he's going to make them cry. And every single time he'd make them cry because he was just too much, too full on, and he'd end up crushing them. And he's got a little sister, so he's kind of desensitised to the whole, you mm. know, boys and girls are different. He just sees kids as kids. So, um, and, 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 and the thing is, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that, you know, women, women rock the socks off jujitsu and they can put it, but when it's a little girl who's just starting out, she can be a little bit more sensitive and maybe oh. not as 
not as you know gung ho as some of the boys are. Totally. So, and, and that's not a that's not a rule of thumb. There are lots of little girls who are starting out and they're just like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> They, they will but in this yeah. instance every time he was placed with a girl he'd end up making them cry but now you know like I think he's been doing it for just under a year now he's great he understands as soon as there's a someone who's smaller than him or someone who's newer at jiu-jitsu or even you know a, a girl like he, he makes sure that he uses his filtration system um to kind of pull back his strength but the other thing that really really I love is my son has a little girlfriend who he met at school who actually does jujitsu with him and Mm. she is a tournament she she wins tournaments all over the place she is a gun she's absolutely amazing and he's so proud of her and whenever he tries to roll her he will throw absolutely everything he has at her (laughs) and she will just absolutely tap him out in two seconds and he loves it and I think that's such a beautiful lesson for him to be learning at a, at a young age that women are a force to be reckoned with he's a he's a he's a wag he's like a wag, <laughs> he's, he's a wag. <laughs> he talks about her all the time like, oh my god she's amazing she just won this tournament she's just better than anyone in that gym <laughs> and I mean that's that's a lesson like we were talking about humility that's a lesson in humility I mean and that's I think the beauty of martial arts um and a good martial artist, because I think there's there's different definitions. There's a martial artist, and there are fighters. Um, they, a martial artist, will always understand that there's someone out there better than you. And the beauty of martial arts, like if you walk past, okay, if you walk past Jugs in the street, would you walk past him and go, "Geez, that guy's got a whole black belt in jiu-jitsu"? No, not at all. That's the friendliest guy ever. Just- so That's I um, I asked me, like you you would walk past mine. So my karate instructor is a ninth degree black belt. Um, he's he's a high school teacher. Um, walk past him in the street would have no belief that oh, so it's that guy. I think that's the beauty of martial arts. It teaches us to be humble, and it also teaches us to recognise that yeah, there is a lot of difference out there. I work with um. I work with a lot of the uh, CERT in the Queensland Police. So the CERT are the Special Emergency Response Team. So they're the ones that you might see at those critical incidents wearing workwear but with balaclavas on or helmets on and they're the, they're the guys they send in when nothing else is working. Wow. Um, so they, they uh, you know, but you see them at a coffee shop, they just look like a bunch of tradies, you know, but they're mm-hmm. very good operators and, they are continually putting their lives on the line, but they're just so, they're the best guys to roll with because they treat everything. I always call it, it's a respectful war with them. Yeah. They will not, like you, you know, you have to go to the end with them, but they are just so respectful and humble because like you, you, know, you said before, and he's learning structure, he's learning everything. They respect. learn, learning this, is your, this is where you are, this is where I am, this is your place, my place. There's so much respect in in you know in martial arts, like even down to you have to bow onto the mats. You yep. you know you can't just walk onto the mat. You have to bow on the mat. You have to bow off the mat. You have to take your shoes off before you get on the mat. You have to put your shoes back on when you get off the mat. Like all of those things, they sound like little things, but for kids, like it's really putting that structure in place. Like this is a this is to be respected. You know, yep. like when you're in this space, you need to respect it. Which is which is amazing. Um, I wanted to move on to a little bit around um, some of the some of the work that you do um, 
externally to this country because I know last year you went to Haiti. So um, tell us a little bit about the Four North Project and the work that you do with them and what inspired you to get into that line of work. Okay, so um, so we went to the, um, so it was the Dominican Republic we ended up going to. Um, Haiti was um, was the plan, but it was too critical at the time oh, for wow. political situation to go. Um, so I got lit, uh, I became aware of the Four North Project, which is a US-based charity, um, through some martial arts friends, again, um, and they do a lot of work um, overseas with um, low socioeconomic groups, helping them achieve sustainability, education, security, um, by way of healthcare and all that sort of thing. So we had an opportunity to go June last year and deliver an empowerment project um, in a couple of villages in the Dominican Republic. So the big thing that um, I guess drove me to it is 87% um, of females under the age of 15 in the, in the DR have a, either by that age witnessed or been a part of emotional, sexual or physical abuse. Wow. So basically every, nearly every girl has seen or had an experience themselves. So it was a big thing for me. Um, my line of work for nearly, um, nearly 20 years, I worked in crowd control and security um, all across southeast Queensland. I guess especially like in the late 90s, there's, I've seen so much violence in my life. Um, I've seen what two people are willing to do to each other without any thought about the repercussions. So like we were talking before about Byron, he's probably developing that thought pattern now where he would already go, if I do that, that could end up really bad. You know, like I've, I've seen what people do who don't have that thought process. Um, and I thought, you know, like there's been incidents that I've been involved with, you know, especially things like Schoolies Week with, um, you know, women getting assaulted and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I saw it as an opportunity to just maybe go and do our little bit. Um, so we developed an empowerment project. So a few, um, few good friends of mine, um, all martial artists, we went over there and basically the idea was we had a couple of female instructors and we had a couple of male instructors. Um, so the females taught the girls, the males taught the boys. We taught the girls to protect themselves um, and how to use not just their voice, um, but also physical you know, confrontations. And again, like we were saying, the levels. So we, we taught them the capability of saying no. In that, in that culture, girls saying no isn't something like you and I go, you know, you can just, someone walks up to you and says, can I buy you a drink? You would go, no. In that culture, there is sometimes a fear of saying no because they go, if I say no, this could happen next. He could hit me, he could do this, he could do that. The, the culture that we have over here, it's so different to over there. Everything that we put first, they put last. Everything that we go, you just wouldn't do that. They go, why can't I do that? And it's not to say it's, you know, I never felt unsafe. It was never that sort of situation, but it's just interesting just seeing how different and especially how different 
the boys treat the girls. So over here, even though, yes, it does happen, we would still like to think that we have a culture where you need to, you know, I'm a man, I need to respect a woman for what she is, what she's achieved and everything now. As much as we have, you know, our violence and everything over here, we still want to make sure that we're teaching boys to respect the girls, like you just said about about your daughter, you know. <laughs> in in that culture, there is that thing where in there it's it's not it's not the same. Like there is a you you are tasked with this. Area. So we had the girls um, learn those skills, and then we had the boys. We were teaching them self-defence as well, but we were also teaching them this is how we respect our women, this is how we look after our women. And then us as, you know, strong males, martial artists and our background, we would be working with these strong females so the boys and the girls would see how we interact. So it was very interesting to see this empowerment project that we delivered by the time we finished that week or no, about eight days there, the boys had gone from, like, and even the boys, them showing um, the word, physical affection to one another would never extend so any further than shaking hands. Wow. You know? But by the end of it, they are hugging us, they are doing all this other stuff with us um, to just show us affection. And we, for example, you know, we gave them all a certificate at the end that we'd made up. Some of them, you know, and I'm talking teenagers, like 18, 19, they'd never received a certificate for anything in their life. So we can give a kid a certificate over here. Like I always, you know, use the uh, the participation medal. We'll give them this for this, <laughs> for this, for this, and this, for this. They don't even know what that is. No. You know, so... It was a really awesome opportunity. Um, it was very, it was very tough um, mentally and physically. I mean, I I grew up very used to um, to roughing it, um, but there was, you know, there was that culture that, you know, this is just what happens over here. This is what happens over here. Um, it was really, yeah, it was probably one of the best experiences of my life. Um, we were planning to go back in June of this year, um, but obviously that's been put on hold. Um, I was asked of um, I was asked at the end of the trip to be their director of security, so I took on that role as well. So I part of my role is to make sure I guess the health stuff is looked after. Um, the team when they travel is um, you know everyone's safe. Everyone knows what they're doing. Everyone knows the brief. Um, so that is my role, um, and they're a lot easier to work with than some of the rock stars I've had to work with. So that's good. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I think it's good for us. I would recommend everyone to do something like that. Um, it was a little bit disappointing. Like some people, um, some people gave us a bit of flack. Um, you know, the whole why aren't you doing something in this country? Why aren't you doing this? and why are you travelling all over there to do it? The thing I think you don't realise until you travel to countries like that, they don't have a government that could support that even if they tried. I'm really um, surprised that people were pushing back on that. I just think well, 
We do, and again, that's no that's no disrespect to um any of our leaders here. Like, you know, I know I know old Scomo's got his haters at the moment, but I think the guy's doing an amazing job. I mean, he's got he's got no operations manual to work on what's happening at the moment. Like, it's you know, he's totally winging it. Um, we live in a society that you know we can. Not, I wouldn't say we have disposable income, but for us to spend hundred dollars on a night out or to go out for dinner or something like that that's not that big a deal um we took five boys um plus our translators and um uh the instructors we took them to this market to have lunch one day as like a treat as a thank you for working with us um that is the market we took them to was about god not even a five-minute drive from the village we were working at. Um, it was like a, what would you say? It was kind of like a food court. So um, it had like a buffet-style thing. You paid the money, got your plate of food, did all that. So that all all up for probably seven people, I think it cost us about $40 American. Wow. Um, those boys, some of them had never been there before and they were like teenagers and they'd grown up in that village five minutes away their whole lives um and then there was other boys where we would say to them so when was the last time you had a meal and they we, we don't remember wow you know, they, they've had bits and pieces so they might have had a banana or i had this or something like that there's a lot there's mangoes everywhere over there so they might have had something like that but to sit down with a plate with a knife and fork and have a meal They'd never had that before. Or, or, you know. So it was, it was very interesting to see because, again, and this is what I brought back, my, um, my perception of, I guess, what is important and what is not important since that trip has really changed. And um, even things like, like I've been to Thailand four times to train um, as well, that every time I go there I embrace that culture just a little bit more. And I took my kids um, this time. Um, we went in uh, February of this year, so our whole family went. For them to see, like, you know, it's not about i got to get on my tablet, i got to do this, i got to do that, you know. The, the interesting thing is these kids that we worked with in the DR, some of them had nothing. Like we would go there and every day we worked with, you know, a couple of kids that turn up in the same clothes and we went, what? So we just deducted that. It must be the only clothes they have. Um, they were still happy. They were still smiling. They love it. They were hugging us. Some cried. Some didn't want us to leave. You know, they'd never they'd never met Australians before. Um, you know, we were doing kangaroo impersonations to them and, you know, showing them what a kangaroo was. They just were so happy and, in effect, they had nothing. Yeah. You know? Our kids it's, kick and scream if we kick them off the TV. It's devastating to see the way that our children take everything for granted these days when there are kids that just have so much less and they are just so much happier with what they've got. It's something I try to talk to my kids about on a regular basis, but they just can't comprehend it. So the ability to be able to take your kids to Thailand and show them firsthand, you know, yeah. that's, that's an incredible thing. I, I've wanted to do the same in Bali because, you know, there's certain parts of Bali where yeah. there's still lots of Balinese children and they're having an absolute ball with a kite because that's all they've yeah. got, you know. Yeah, we they're noticed the same things when we were in Bali. Bali is exactly the same as well. I think the saying is if you don't have it, then you don't miss it. 
So if you don't have an opportunity to have those things and you don't miss them, and I think that's the thing with those kids over there. They, like I said earlier, what we put first, they put last. I've got somewhere to sleep. I've had some food today. I've got some sort of clothes on my back. I'm happy with that. Um, and I think that's the priority and that's what sometimes our kids miss over here and it gets back to probably all of our, you know, our whole conversation. We just need to try and teach our kids what is really important. But what I was going to say before, if you have a look at, because um, I do a lot of research on um, depression and anxiety and that sort of thing to work with these kids that I work with, major cause of depression in teenagers in particular is their supposed lack of material objects to put them in status. So if oh. if a kid doesn't have a tablet in the, you know, if, if all the other kids have a tablet that he knows and he doesn't have one, he doesn't feel, you know, he doesn't feel equal, he doesn't feel like he's accepted. If all kids have got Nikes and this kid's got a pair of Dunlop Follies, he doesn't feel the same and that sort of thing. And I had that when I was a kid. You know, I'd have you know, other mates of mine who would have brand name clothes and I would, you know, I remember my I remember my mum sewing Vision Streetwear tags on the shorts of mine from Kmart to try and make me feel better because I had all the clothes and everything. But I think that's that's the thing we need to teach our kids. And you know, since I've come back, you know, our our girls, it's just trying to get them to understand you can do this, but then this happens. And but that's hard because it's hard because like my daughter's just started high school. It's hard to put that into perspective when every other kid is maybe not putting it as much into perspective. So it's always going to be... It always comes back to that place of belonging, doesn't it? That sense of belonging that I fit in here, this is, I'm accepted here, and even the material object stuff. Like, you know, the thing is every every other kid does have these things mm -hmm. here. So if they were living without, you know, anything and they had been living without anything their whole life, they would still be affected by it because they would be shown that they are not the only ones. Whereas in, you know, the DR, for instance, all the, they're all in the same position together. So, yeah. you know, it's no different from the kid next door who also has nothing. So it, it always comes back no matter what to that place of belonging, which, again, yeah. is just something that, you know, martial arts seems to be able to offer to kids from outside. I think a lot of sports probably offer this in, in some ways, being outside of school and just, just not being all roped into that kind of clicky groups and all of that sort of stuff. Like you're a team, you're, you're together, even though you're working on yourself individually when you're in martial arts, you're still a part of a group, you're part of a community. Yeah. which is so important for, you know, not just kids but for everybody in, in general. That sense of community is what brings us all together and it's, it's, yeah. it's so I do a lot of work with women in particular who haven't got that sense of security because the old paradigm of high school carries on throughout adulthood where it's um, tear another woman down because we, we're all still living in this space of scarcity. Like if somebody's better than you, then that makes you less than in whatever way. So women tear each other down for that reason. So a lot of my work's been centred around creating new bonds and, and building each other up and accepting that. So it, it comes into our adult space as well. But I really love that what you've been doing over there and, and, and the basis behind it, mm. not just not just from a sense of, of, of um, you know, that, that space of belonging and all those sorts of things, but from the space of, of the domestic violence and um, giving, 
you know, the, the girls and the guys just a better sense of understanding of what they're doing, but giving the girls a sense of, of being able to defend themselves and be, um, you know, confident within themselves. And, and, I, and this is one thing I just want to stress so much to any women who are, who are listening. As a, as a victim of, of domestic violence and sexual abuse many times over, which I'm very open about and share a lot about in, um, in my community, I, when I started doing jiu-jitsu and I, I learned a few things on how to defend myself, there was so much comfort in knowing that no matter what situation I ever get into, that's never going to happen again. So you can heal from the emotional scars of those things, but that's only one part of it, knowing that you have safety enough to never have to go through that again and mm. be so confident that, as you said, you can walk into a room full of men and be like, I'm going to be totally fine here is so empowering and I would go as far to say, and this is my opinion, that we could almost diminish domestic violence if enough women learnt how to actively defend themselves. Yeah. Unless, unless obviously weapons were coming into play and things like that, which is, you know, a possibility. But we could greatly reduce the amount of domestic violence and sexual abuse that's happening if every single woman learnt even just the basics on how to defend themselves. I remember the first ever movement I learnt, which people laugh at me in the jiu-jitsu world when I tell them this because they're like, that's a really advanced move. But the first ever jiu-jitsu move that I learnt was the triangle and the instructor that was teaching me at the time said to me, he was a Serbian guy, and he actually said to me, if you never come back to another jiu-jitsu class ever again, I'm yeah. going to teach you this move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and he taught me, and I felt really empowered, and that was the first time that I flipped a 120-kilo man, a big Kiwi yeah. guy, gentle giant, flipped him off me. <laughs> I walked away, and it was great, and I was hooked from that moment on. I was hooked. Jiu-jitsu okay. made me feel safe. Exactly, and you just walk away and you go, I, I did something. I've, I've achieved something and that's I think yeah you, you're totally right it's it's just letting women know they can do that stuff they can make themselves vulnerable as we were talking they will be accepted and it's also I think we have you know like in, in our jiu-jitsu so you would know the belts like you know blue purple brown black um, I have given out oh, probably 40 plus blue belts all up in my teaching time. I've only given out six to girls. I haven't given a girl a purple belt yet and I've been teaching for a long time. There are a couple who know who they are. They might be getting a little bit close. Um, But you have a chat to any of them. There has been so many times where they might have gone, this is just so hard, you know, constantly getting squashed and <laughs> the hair and you know I am a sweating <laughs> disgusting mess and this is happening and this is happening um but they just keep coming back yeah. and it's just that perseverance it's like you said you know if you you only we only have what happens to us what we allow it to happen we make our own luck um and again there's a TED talk that I watched recently uh with the woman who's a Kiwi, um, and she was talking about the three qualities of resilient people. Um, and the first one, she said, they understand that shit happens. They are, they don't do the why is this happening to me? Oh, blah, blah, blah. they go, this happens. So now I need to deal with it and move on. It's the same with what's happening now. I'm sure you are the same. And yeah, how are you? The same. 
How are you coping? What's your current view on what's going down with COVID-19? Because I know you would have had to close the gym down and and not be able to teach, which would be such a major shock. It is. Um, look, it's we knew it was going to happen sooner or later. I, I thought I had a couple more weeks before we were given the close down order. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. The last eight days, as I'm doing, so we have a live... Um, we have a closed members group um, that we're still in communication with all our members. And I do a live feed on there every morning and afternoon. And every every morning I'll say it's day this, day that. So I did a day eight this morning. Um, I'm not going to lie. There, are, there has been a few days where I've just gone, this is crap. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's really hard. We taught... Um, we had a early morning group on Saturday morning when we were still allowed to do groups of up to 10 in the park um, and we were within quota, just for anyone from a legal fraternity listening. Um, and a few of them were like talking about what they miss, you know, with training and all the rest of it. The majority of the guys all said they miss social interaction. It's, it's not the... Um, it's not the, like they can do the techniques. They've all got stuff at home. They can do bag work at home. They can do their forms or whatever. But that's what they miss. They miss the social. And they said, what do you miss the most? I said, I miss coaching. Yeah. I said, I, I, miss, I miss coaching. I miss that this week of seeing, like I've been away from the club for anything up to three weeks in the past while other guys have run it for me. And that wasn't as hard as the last eight days because I think we knew we were going to come back to the club. It would be open. We could see the classes happening. There's nothing. You know, and nobody has a date that this will end. Um, you know, but I think um, for us, the community is what will keep us alive. I have said to the guys and girls, um, if we look after our community and we look after each other, you know, we'll be champing at the bit to come back. Um, financially, yep, it's it's going to be tough. Um, but it kind of takes me back to the DR stuff. It's amazing it's amazing how much money you spend when you don't have money. Um, I feel like I've, I'm back to uh, second year of uni shopping again. I'm, uh, I'm buying more frozen pizzas and <laughs> pies and, you know, home brand, home brand is becoming my norm. But I, I think it's like anything, you just you just make do. But, yeah, it doesn't stop me from going every now and then, this sucks. Yeah. Um, but I, I understand, like, I, I do understand that it is just, it's a necessary evil. Um, I have a lot of friends that run full-time martial arts centres. Um, they are all hit. Um, there will be a portion that will not financially be able to return when the floodgates open. But the way I try and look at it, when we um, when we are given the green light, you know, this is what I've been saying to people. So at the moment in Australia, you cannot play organised sport. So a child cannot play organised sport in Australia. You can't go and watch a game of footy and you can't go to a pub and have a pot of beer. Can you imagine what happens when we are given the green light to do that? It's going to be like back when World War II ended and there's that video of that guy dancing down the main street of Sydney or whatever it was. You know, it's it's going to be chaos in nothing but 
positive way. Oh, I mean, absolutely. We're going to get so many parents coming in with their kids going, Kia, do something. <laughs> like, I've had enough. I just need a break. Come here, right? You know, like, I think um, we're going to have so many, um, so many good things come out of it. We just got to stick it out. I mean, it's, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm the same. Like we, um, we're trying to work out every day. Um, back to the, you know, the mental health side of things. It's very important that I keep my kids moving because if I don't, they would literally lie in bed and watch Netflix or bloody YouTube all day. So we're out. We're taking the dog for a walk. We, you know, my eldest daughter and I did a did a CrossFit workout in the barn. As I as I call my little old shed out the back, um, the house I live in is well, it's nearly 140 years old. So we've got like this old old thing out the back that we've made into a gym. So I think it's um it's it's hard. You know, you asked me today what it's like. You ask me tomorrow, I'll go. You know, I'll be in my this sucks day. Like yesterday, yeah. yesterday I was in a very much this sucks frame of mind. I, I think everyone can relate to that roller coaster up and down. Some days you're like, you know, a total acceptance, and other days it's like, no, this is terrible. You just, you, I mean, for me, I realise how much time I sort of have on my hands. I need to try and be more productive. Um, our online stuff, we're getting, you know, better at that, and you know, so we'll have. I say to my coaches, we'll have, we'll come out of this better coaches than we ever had before. Yeah, you know, Under- like I've got guys, you know, you know, they they're able to coach now and not touch anyone and stand a meter and a half away and give instructions and everything. I, God, I couldn't do that a month ago. I said, well, you haven't, you haven't got a choice now. You know, um, the only thing I would say to people, you know, listening to this, and I know you have an awesome community that is very positive. Just try and be nice to people. Um, the thing that I've said to my guys and I've been posting on my social media, I think social media is needed for something that maybe it hasn't been used for for a long time and that is just that, to be social. Yeah. We, we don't need to hear, you know, before you write something up on social media, just have a think about, you know, what state that's going to put people in if you keep writing that. So on yeah. my social media pages and on the club pages, we're just putting up all the positive stuff, like we're putting up old videos of what we've done, training trips, students, you know, on my stuff I put up, you know, pictures of my family or people that mean a lot to me and just trying to send out some positivity because it's it's like I say to people, you know, I've said it all the time, if you think it's crap, then it is crap. You know, Jules would understand. Well, Jules would understand from the CrossFit days, you know, if you stand beside someone in the in the brief and they're just standing beside you going, this workout's going to suck, this is going to be hard, this is going to be shit, you go, all right, thanks, you know, you move away. So I think, um, yeah, just it'll be what it'll be. It could be months. It's only been eight days. Mm-hmm. Uh, really hard to say at this at this point in time but you're 100% right keeping things you know positive and sending love and 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 high vibes out to people at the moment that's what we need we don't need more posts about the doom and gloom and about the inevitable and things that are unfolding we don't need all of it we're we're already getting enough of it fed to us from all different angles you know there's nothing that you're going to share from your house that isn't already being shared by a million other people or a million different 
media ports and I understand that people are scared and they and they and they want to you know share this information to warn people but we're going to know it we're going to hear about it what we need to do now is focus on being able to pull ourselves out the other side of this and be unscathed as much as possible totally and I think um everyone's talking about you know it's going to get terrible and they're buying up on toilet paper you guys <laughs> even like I don't know you're a few weeks I don't know if they had a thing they called spam when you're a when you're a kid, so spam is like tinned ham. Oh yes, yeah, spam. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we haven't even we haven't even gotten to the spam phase yet. You know, like, <laughs> no. I remember I remember going threes with my flatmates in uni for a loaf of bread. Like we haven't even got to that phase yet. You know, no. Remain we'll, calm. We'll be okay. Are you going to be um, doing any online sort of classes or coaching? Yeah, so we're doing um, we're doing stuff online at the moment with our um, current members. But one thing we are going to look at doing is um, one thing we are going to look at doing is uh, opening that up probably in a week or two to other people that want to come on board. Um, but one thing like we put up um, on our community pages, um, just like around the Brisbane community, we did it a week or so ago, and we had a good response. We just said if anyone just wants a little bit of help and guidance on some exercises to do with their kids, yes, let us know. I mean, I think it's this is a time where we really need to find out again, like the R stuff. We are going to. I've had a lot of people talk to me about what is um, what is what is the thing we're going to take away from this. I said I think I think for me. It's going to remind us what is really important and what is not important. Yeah. Like I said before, it's amazing how much money you spend when you realise you're not sure how much money is coming in. So yeah. you just go to ground a bit. It's amazing how, you know, what's important, what's not important. Like I said, and the uh, online space does give us that space to be able absolutely. to, you know, connect with each other. My personal trainer, um, I do like a group fitness class and she's just gone all online and it's the same, you know, Zoom platform that we're using right now, but there's squares of like yeah. 10 or 15 people and she's right in the middle square and she's teaching everyone and she can see everyone doing the movements and she can stop and go such and such, you need to, you know, correct this and correct that. And it's social and we're all giggling and, you know, Jules and I, we were a part of that last week and our cats were walking past in the in the <laughs> garage and they were stopping and laughing at the cats being in there and, you know, making jokes. And it felt so nourishing to still be in that group space but we were just in our garage, so it was it was really accessible. We enjoyed it because we didn't have to go anywhere and we yeah. still got the benefits. And um, I know Jugs did a um, uh, just a tutorial with with Jimmy, this the two of them just teaching some technique and yeah. and online um, on a Facebook Live. And Jules was able to cast that to the TV and sit there and eat his eat his dinner and watch some techniques. So definitely getting amongst more of those online portals. And as a parent, if, you know, if there was a class that you were, you know, to develop in the next couple of weeks that was to dial in and, and have the kids there and teaching them, I would sign far enough for that for in a second because okay. us moms are going crazy. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, it's funny, isn't it? And how often have you found lately, um, I saw you did a thing, like you've been doing stuff like a Zoom, like, you know, wine and... Yeah, we did wine and cards the other night. It was so much fun. It felt just as good as having a group full of women. And it's great. Is- my my, um, my wife 
um, has been using an app called House Party. Oh wow! Uh, it's um, it's the same thing, like an interactive thing, and so yeah. She'll, she went for a run on Saturday afternoon real quickly and she came back, had a quick shower and, and she's sitting out on our porch having a wine, talking to her mates on house party. I've, I've found I have, I'm not a massive FaceTime or video messenger person, but I find I'm starting to want to do that as opposed to just talk on the phone. Yeah. Because I think um, we are already missing this social connection. Like I said, that's what my students are missing the most. And um, that live, um, that community group that we have going at the moment, they're all putting up videos of the workouts they've done. They're all doing their own little pictures. They're all interacting. And some of them are putting up stuff that prior to this would have never put that stuff up before. But now they're doing it, I want to interact, I want to interact. So I think um, that is another thing that's maybe good coming out of this. We're actually maybe having to start to do things the old-fashioned way and actually talk. Yeah, I 100% agree. I um, I work from home and, you know, regularly just will have one or two people coming and going through the day. I don't have uh, employees. I don't have um, mm. co-workers or anything like that generally. And so this situation has been quite backwards for me in a sense that I've never been this social before in my life. I'm doing that much social interaction things every single day because it's all online because I you know, can fit it around, um, you know, other things that I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, it's just given me more of a portal to connect with people. And we did a coffee catch up the other day too. So a friend of mine runs a weekly coffee catch up and she just did it online. And so we all sat down and I got to dial in because she's up in um, Forest Lake. And I'm down here on the Gold Coast. So I never get to go to the coffee catch-ups, but I got to go and friends from overseas got to come to the coffee catch-up. And those are things we get to retain once this is all over. We can still have weekly coffee catch-ups because we can realise firsthand how connected they can be even on an online space. And I hope we do. And I hope we don't just slip back into our old habits. Um, Because, yeah, it's, it's um, it's been... really really i mean like you know it's been tough but yeah i am probably the best part i took out of yesterday was just that connection like you know lila my oldest she um she did crossfit for quite a number of years when she was younger and she hasn't done it for a couple of years we went out and did a workout together we haven't done that for two years and um what even made it better was we did it and we didn't have one fight through the whole thing that was that was that was a miracle um (laughs) and it was just it was just good you know so i think um it's it's like anything it's it's what you make it i mean and like we said there's going to be days where you just go you know i was like you said i was like a bit that yesterday i just didn't feel like you know talking too much and doing that sort of thing but today yeah i'm all right and tomorrow i might be a rock star and day after I don't know it's you just got to get through it I mean because yeah and that's what gets me and look to be honest things like the bushfires was the same there's nobody to blame no one you know we can we can blame the Chinese we can shoot at ScoMo we can say all this we can say that we can say everything about Trump that we don't already say anyway it's got nothing to do with them you know we just have to get on with it we're in it we just got to work through it we just got to try and remain positive 
I think one of the most beautiful things that um, I've, I've kind of had like a thought process on the other day is, yes, we're all in this together. So every single person is in a similar situation in one way or another. But when we kind of peel it back and we look at the fact that basically everything as we know it is dropping away. So, you know, our jobs, the identity that we have attached to our jobs, our yep. material objects, our finances, um, you know, our, our positions, our clothes, like everything, if everything fell away, if we lost everything, what we would be left with is us, just us with nothing yep. else. And it's kind of going back to that status thing and, you know, like, I've got this and I've got that. And so that makes me um, in this position and that's my identity. When we take it all away, we're going to be left with the, just us, our pure essence. And, and what does that mean for our social interactions? It means that we're all going to have to come to the party or, or, or interact with each other in a much more vulnerable space with less, you know, noise around us and just be very authentic with each other. So that's a kind of, I feel like that's a really profound um notion to think about but if everything does fall away well we're, we're just going to be ourselves yeah, purely just, just purely. we just trim off the fat yeah, you know? yeah. and i think that's yeah it, it gets back to you know, we're going to find out what is really necessary yeah and what is not necessary and yeah there's going to be um casualties out of it i mean when i say casualties something that you know is, is very very important to me is um mental health we need to make sure that you know we are being very we're taking uh we're making ourselves accountable for our actions so you know i've dare i say it i've done a bit of uh defriending and blocking on social media of late because i just don't need to see that you know and i just don't i don't need to be a part of that stuff and i think um we still need to recognize that yes we have this stuff there is all this happening but we are going to have maybe by the end of it, 200,000 Queenslanders that will be out of work and yeah. we need to try and, which <laughs> which I am technically one of at the moment, we need to um, work on, okay, let's make sure we look after those people. Let's make sure we're, you know, we're trying to help each other. I mean, that the help that people have offered me that I know are still struggling themselves, it has been quite emotional at times because we, we have a person who is struggling to make ends meet themselves, yet they're wanting to continue their payments to us and he's crying because he doesn't want to stop his payments. And I'm saying, mate, I've already done it. I know you must be struggling, so I've taken them off. It's fine. Yeah. Because that gets back to everything. I think if you are part of a community that is supporting you, be it a group of friends, a club, anything, that will be what will help you. We need to be very conscious of the people at the moment that are feeling alone or feeling like nobody cares about where they are. Like I have been putting on my live feeds to my um, members, make sure you check up on people. You know, like I'm going to make some calls to people today that I probably, you know, don't speak to a lot and I probably should speak to more. And, you know, just to say, g'day. And that'll burn up time, but, you know, that's, you know, I've got a lot of time at the moment, so I might as well try and try and use it to the best of my ability. That's my thing. Try and, you know, and, yeah, use, use social media for what it's meant to be. Be social. 
the kindness that's coming out of this um this situation is just mind-blowing and heartwarming it's just it's so amazing but one of the things that i've i've kind of been prompting people to do is exactly what you're doing in a sense that it's very easy to shift into a space of panic at the moment because you know where's our livelihood going to come from what's going to happen here what's going to happen there you know even just going back to the virus itself people are still panicked about their health and all of those sorts of things and the way to shift out of panic is to go into purpose like how can you be of service how can you serve a purpose during this time so like you said even if you're listening to this and you're not in a position um like kyle or myself where you know you're essentially um in a leadership role or 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 a coaching role where you're, you're guiding others you can still use your time to support other people by reaching out and being kind and, and asking them how they're doing and you know checking up on their mental health and you know the, last week I was just I'd cried myself to sleep before even um, we got the the notion that my my workplace had to stop doing what it was doing I was crying my eyes out because I was so sad for the people who had already lost their jobs and so many people being affected by this and I wanted to help and I couldn't think of any way that I could possibly help and I wanted to so I decided to bake some scones and make some jam and take it to our neighbor who's an elderly guy and that I did that just as much for him as I did for myself and so he came over with you know so much you know thank yous and and it's the nicest thing anyone's ever done and I had to stop him and said I did this for you, but also for me, because I need to do something. So it's the little things at the moment that go a long way, not just for everybody else, but also for yourself and for your own sanity and being able to shift from panic into purpose. So use those, use this time wisely. Totally. You just, you just do it because you can. I mean, there are, yeah, it, it's, it's a game. It's going to be a chance for people to really um, see what sort of person they really, not are, but the person they want to be. Like, are you willing to do this? This is going to mean that this will happen. And maybe for a moment you have to stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about other things. Like, don't get me wrong, there are some people that will come out of this, you know, and, you again, you talk to people at different ages, they, they are all perceiving it differently. But I think it's just trying to get people to understand that it is a, it is a collective thought. And like I said, my my guys at the moment and girls, they're um they're missing training. They're missing not necessarily like them they're they're not necessarily missing the physicality, they're just missing that connection. You know, especially now the gatherings are cut right down, you know, we're like, geez, you know, we just have to make sure that we're just being responsible. We're riding out and maybe if we be good be good boys and girls and we do our stuff and, you know, ScoMo doesn't send us to our room and lock us down and, you know, we might get out of this and just wait and see. I say to my guys, again, it's only been eight days. Yeah. It might be six months. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like even if we were to get properly locked down, I, I just, I have this, I mean, not on any scientific reasoning, but I just have this feeling that we will, we will reopen. You know, it won't be six months of lockdown. I just don't see that being feasible no i think six months is a long time i mean they're saying and again i remember in my old job you know when we were putting together risk assessments and planning we were you know i would always joke with my boss we were are we are we planning for world war three here or like you know are we always going to be glass half empty but we 
I can see that that's what they're having to do because if they walk out and go, oh, this is only going to be a couple of weeks, we'll be fine, everything's cool, and then it's not, oh, you lied to us. Well, we didn't lie. We just have to overestimate. Definitely have to overestimate. So we might wrap up. Um, where can people find you? Where's your gym situated when it's open and operational open. <laughs> normally? <laughs> when the lights are on. Yeah. Um, so we're in Corinda in Brisbane in Queensland. So um, the business is called Chikara Martial Arts. So C-H-I-K-A-R-A Martial Arts. Um, and the website's chikaramartialarts.com.au. Um, and we have our Facebook pages all in line with that. Um, so, yeah, we teach kids. Uh, our youngest is four and our oldest student is, I think, he's 72 this year. Um, so we teach Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, um, Gracie Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. We teach uh, Zendo Kai Freestyle Karate. We teach Muay Thai, um, Bob Jones Martial Arts Muay Thai. We teach Bob Jones Martial Arts Krav Maga. And we teach kids classes for... Um, Zendo Kai, the Jiu-Jitsu and the um, uh, Muay Thai as well. So um, we do that. We have personal training. We, um, I work with um, about, I think I've got eight, eight kids that I work with um, doing some empowerment stuff and work with them as well. So, yeah, we cover a lot of bases. And as I've kept saying, we use um, a very a guy, I, uh, one of my man crushes, a guy called Joe Rogan, who you might have heard from. Oh, yes. From. Good old Joe um, Rogan. This is yes. this is on par with his podcast, by the way. Oh, God. <laughs> Can you imagine? Um, <laughs> Joe Rogan uh, has often used, and he's a lifetime martial artist, as we get called. Um, he has a saying, martial arts is a vehicle for self-improvement. Yeah. Um, and that's what I think. I, I think there's a difference between being someone who does martial arts and a martial artist you know there is no um and that's the thing i've been saying to my guys okay so for six months we can't train but we got the rest of our lives you know i've I've been doing martial arts since i was 15 i turned 45 this year shit i just said it um (laughs) i don't see any time anytime soon that i'm gonna go i want to stop it's just part of who i am it's tattooed on my skin. I have my family that is all martial artists. You know, martial artists to me are just, they're just better people. They just understand that in order to get somewhere, you have to work for it. You know, one of our, um, one of our mottos is uh, nothing is free. Everyone works and we all start at the bottom. I love that. that. It's amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And as I said, I uh, will put some links up to your gym and to your Facebook page. And for those people who are not near you, who can't get to your gym on on a regular basis, who are wanting a quality gym, would it be okay for them to contact you for some recommendations? Absolutely. Pretty good connections in that area. Yeah. You guys are... uh... Yeah, you know, I recommended I recommended jugs to Jules, and look where yes. you are now. And he's great. So we're, he he's based in the Burley Burley area. Um, so if you're on the Gold Coast, then yeah, definitely jugs is amazing, and that's full metal jitsu and uh, jujitsu, and I I really love it there. So thank you so much for recommending jugs to us. We're thoroughly enjoying that gym. Pleasure. Awesome. All right, take care of yourself, and we'll talk again soon.